we, I'm going to say a special prayer, but let's pray for the kids as they go back and the leaders um, teaching about God and the life of a Christian and um, what it is all about. So please, as we're praying, pray for the teachers there and the kids that they would have open hearts, minds, um, and ears to hear. Um, just like we do when we come to God's Word. Let us have open ears to hear what God says and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us into truth and what we need to be doing as a follower of Jesus. Um, and I'm also going to um, pray for the Waldron family too at this time. Uh, just let's pray for it. Let's put a special, may God bless and put a special hand on them at this time. Um, but let's pray. And I forgot to again, those online, we welcome you too. Um, again, if you have prayer requests online, write them down. We'll put them in the chat room. I'll pray for them. We'll write them down. So let's pray right now. And if you can think of anybody that needs prayer, say a prayer while I'm praying for us today. God, we come to you with broken hearts, but we know that you are a God that answers prayer. You are a God that cares for people. You care about each person and the situations they are in. May you surround the Waldron family with your love and protection and comfort and rest. At this time, just give wisdom in the situation. Where things might need to be said, may they be said with wisdom from you. And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, you're holy, holy, holy. May you be with us at this time as we come to the Word of God and the Gospel of Mark, where we learn about the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And I also pray for our offering and tithes that the money that, re that we receive will be used for your honor and glory here and throughout the world. God, we're broken people, but we have a great God. And we trust you and we lift up your name today and you get all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, we'll be looking at the last half of chapter 1 today, verses 29 to 45, and you, if you're taking notes, you will see Jesus the healer, the prayer, and the preacher. He did all these three things, and we're going to learn about those three things today, and how we can live our lives, maybe with Jesus as our example. He's the best example, right? You could follow a lot of people and follow their example in many things, and maybe you'll do good things if you follow people's example here on earth. But if we look to Jesus as our number one example, I think we'll learn a lot, especially in this passage. We'll learn a lot of how we need to live our lives differently here on earth. When you're sitting in your home, or you're on your way to the grocery store, or you're looking out at your neighbors, this passage will help us, I think, to see the world differently. And I hope Jesus today gets all the glory, because it's not me up here explaining it very well. 
It's Jesus. And Mark has written his account for us to hear from Mark and to read it and to really get into the story. Remember I talked about imagination. I kind of imagine myself as I'm studying and put myself as a character or in the sidelines just watching what's going on and how I would react to it. And it's very eye-opening when you sit down and actually do that and say, who, who am I going to be in this story? Am I going to be the disciples? Am I going to be Simon's mother-in-law, as we'll see here? Or am I going to be the leper, as we'll see as well? Am I going to be Jesus? What would I do if I was Jesus in this situation? Those types of things you could be thinking about as you read and study Scripture, because it helps. And it helps us see the world differently. Remember, Mark is writing the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. And remember, it's a go, go, go gospel. It's immediately, immediately, immediately. It seems like Jesus is never on the, is always on the move, but we'll see here, he, he tries to find alone time, but he's still on the move. So let's jump in here. The Gospel of Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 34, and then we're going to skip to 39 and 45, and we're going to look at Jesus the healer. Are you excited about the Gospel of Mark? Are you excited to go to the Word of God? So let's go. Verse 29. As soon as they left. So that word is immediately. Already. Remember, I didn't mention this. I might have. But the Gospel of Mark uses immediately 69 times in the, throughout the whole Gospel. In the, the original Greek word. Immediately 69 times. That's a fast-paced Gospel. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Dropping down to verse 39 at the end. And driving out demons, verse 40, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant or filled with compassion. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. In, these, in this text, you see Jesus, the healer. He heals many people. And he starts... Remember, they left the synagogue. What happened in the synagogue from last week? He's teaching with authority. He's driving out demons, an impure spirit from a man. And the people are amazed at Jesus. 
So immediately they left the synagogue. That just happened, okay? They went, he went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. So he's going to their home, Simon and Andrew's home. The people, the fishermen he just called, right? Come follow me. I will make you fish for people. I'll train you to do that. They go to the synagogue, and then they're done there. And as soon as they left the synagogue, where does he go? To the home of Simon and Andrew. He's very personal. Jesus goes to their house. And as I'm thinking of this, is Jesus welcome in your home? Or, if someone came to your house, would they know Jesus have been there? has been there? But Jesus enters the home of Simon and Andrew. And what do they do? They immediately tell Jesus about Simon's mother-in-law. They're like, Jesus, she's sick. She has a fever. She's in the other room. She has a fever. They let Jesus know that. And then Jesus, what does he do? He went to her took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. He went to her, touched her, helped her up. When people had diseases or sickness back then, you weren't supposed to go around them. And you'll see it with the leper later as well. He took her hand and helped her up. And what happens? The fever is gone. She's healed of this fever. An interesting comment a commentator wrote, Emerson Powery makes this comment in his commentary. Mark describes the healed woman, Simon's mother-in-law. Remember, she doesn't have a name, it's just Simon's mother-in-law describes the healed woman's response with the same verb used of the angels in chapter 1, verse 13, diakonio. In Mark's Gospel, only women, angels, and the Son of Man act the role of deacon who serves, waits upon, and ministers. Only women, angels, and Jesus Himself in the Mark's Gospel uses the word diakonio. That's interesting, isn't it? Isn't it? To me, it's interesting. Because we're in a day and age that sometimes women get overlooked. I'm just going to be honest with you. Women get overlooked. I'm a minister at Ferris, and what do I do? I look in the record books, okay? The history books of Ferris Church of Christ. 1950. Anybody remember 1950? Mike Wilson raises his hand. But you weren't at this church in 1950, were you, Mike? Okay, so you don't know what I'm going to say. Do you? (laughs) no 
<laughs> maybe, I don't know. You could make a correlation, maybe. But I was going through the books and looking at names of people that are in the church because I'm a minister. I want to know the history of the church, right? What do I come to? A page that says church officers. You got the treasurer. You got elders, deacons, uh, and I forget the other three, but then I get to nine names. How many? And one of them we see periodically coming to this church, just so you know. And I texted his, her son, and I said, do you know about this? And he was like, I'm going to let her know. In the book back there, it says deaconess. And their role was for one year, from 1950 to 1951. Nine women's names with deaconess as an office. Diaconio in the Gospel of Mark is only used of women, angels, and Jesus himself. Interesting, right? Right? I'm seeing some confused looks. <laughs> but this is interesting to me. Because I've been in the church, I'm going to say 37 years, because that's how long I've been in the church since I was born. And there's been, I can't even say the word, divisive? Is that the word I'm looking for? Division or controversy of, oh, a woman can't do that in the church. But I'm here to tell you, I'm just going to be honest. You can talk to me later if you don't agree with me. But women get overlooked in the church. I've seen it. I've had friends that have shared stuff with me in the past, and they were hurt. But Simon's mother-in-law, what does she do when she gets healed of fever she's not like jesus thank you thank you thank you thank you oh i just want to stay right by you because i'm so thankful what does she do she gets up and serves them probably makes a meal probably looks at simon and says you didn't get jesus any food come on but she serves what a response or what a encouragement to us all what do we do after Jesus heals us of anything? Do we just stop and don't do anything? Or do we say, thank you, God, I'm going to serve somebody else and let them know about who Jesus is or get them food or get them clothing or whatever. And then you go to the leper in verse 40. A man with leprosy, remember, if you were a leper in that day, oh, you were not even close to anybody. You were unclean. You could not go around anybody even. You were supposed to be outside the city. But what does he do? He's a man with leprosy came to Jesus. He's making his way to Jesus because he knows Jesus is here. And he gets on his knees and he tells Jesus... If you are willing, you can make me clean. Oh, what a statement of belief, of trust, of confidence. He's like, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus was 
filled with compassion, what does he do? Reached out his hand, just like to Simon's mother-in-law, and touched him. I'm willing, Jesus said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Simon's mother-in-law and the leper, Jesus touched them. What do we do if we see people different than us? I don't want to go around them. They're sick today. I don't want to go around them. Do we reach out and say, I'm here? Jesus, the healer. On Friday, in my office, this was my last day in the office of the week for a couple hours, and I, I was like, I'm going to open a book that I haven't opened in a while. On my, it's an e-book, and I opened it. And it was the morning devotional, and the verse that was on the morning devotional was Mark one thirty. Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told Jesus about her. Remember I said earlier how God just orchestrates things? I haven't opened this book in like a year. And September 2nd was this chapter that I'm studying and preaching today. All I could, you know, I just started to chuckle and laugh at my desk. Do you ever have moments like that? You're just like, God, that was only you. And you just laugh and laugh and laugh. I'm thankful that we serve a good God. Charles Spurgeon, in that devotional, wrote this. Jesus is looking around your room now and is waiting to be gracious to you. Jesus goes into the house, takes Simon's mother-in-law by the hand, helps her up, and the fever left. Jesus touches the leper and says, I'm willing, be clean, and immediately he's healed. Do you believe Jesus can heal? We've seen it, right? No lung cancer for Bob O'Dell. We've seen it. But do we really believe it? Verse 35 to 37. So you got Jesus the healer. And now you have Jesus the prayer. And I want to point out one thing. Before he goes to pray, look what he does. The whole town gathered at the door. Oh, that, what a scene that would be. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. He didn't just heal Simon's mother-in-law. He healed many people of various disease and demon possession. One writer pointed out there are two separate categories. Illnesses and demon possession. Sometimes we want to lump them together. All sickness is from the devil. One writer quickly encouraged us as readers and listeners. He said, don't confuse every illness as something from the devil. It's two separate categories. 
So he healed many. Which is also interesting. It didn't say all of them. It says many. So some people might have not got healed. That's also encouraging because sometimes we think we want to do everything, 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 everything. But Jesus healed many, but not necessarily all of them, okay? It's encouraging to me because sometimes we want everything to happen, and sometimes it doesn't. And we get discouraged, and we're like, where are you, God? Just like Habakkuk. But know that Jesus and God are still in control and still can heal. Even if we don't get total healing today, but one day we're going to have total healing. Do you agree with that? I saw a picture earlier, a couple weeks ago, about a dad uh, created a tombstone for his wheelchair son. And he has the wheelchair on top of the gravestone with his son floating up out of the wheelchair because it's no more wheelchair. What a picture. Jesus is a healer. And then, look what happens after he heals many people. I don't know what that looks like, but he's probably tired. I'm guessing. Okay? Verse 35. Very early in the morning, before anybody else got up, probably. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. So Jesus here is a prayer. He goes out before anybody else sees him go out to a solitary place, The word for solitary place means lonely, desolate, or uninhabited. So he found a place where nobody was. And he goes out and he prays. To who? His Father. He finds time to spend with God the Father in a solitary, lonely, desolate, uninhabited place. Question for you. Do we find time to get alone with God? I mean, do we intentionally find time to be alone with God? Jesus, in the busyness of this chapter alone, this day or two, He's healing many people, but He finds time to go out to be alone with the Father. Do we make the effort to find time, to get alone with God. Make the effort. Do we? Sometimes we get too busy. We're like, I got to do this, this, and this. But Jesus, do you think he was busy, busy, busy? Of course he was. But he goes out before anybody else notices and prays. We should do the same. Because we know... We've, we've seen it. We've experienced it. Prayer works. So let's pray. But it's interesting here. He's praying and what happens? Simon and his companions went to look for him. You know what that word went means in the original language? They hunted for him. They wanted to find him. 
And what do they say when they get to Jesus? They say, everyone. How many people? Everyone is looking for you, Jesus. What are you doing out here in this desolate, uninhabited place? So Jesus, we can learn a lot about Jesus as a prayer. Find time to get alone with God. Intentional time. I need to do better too. So everyone's looking for you. Then verse 38 and 39, we see Jesus the preacher here. Jesus the preacher. Verse 38. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues. Why did Jesus come? It's right there. To preach. One writer, Walter Wessel, writes this, which I wholeheartedly agree because even today we see people that want to focus on this. But he writes this, The people of Capernaum were interested in Jesus as a popular miracle worker only. So Jesus suggests that they move on to other villages that he might preach there also. His coming into the world was more to proclaim God's good news and all that was involved in discipleship and suffering than to be a popular miracle worker. Everyone's looking for you, Jesus. Why is everyone looking for him? Because he just healed many people. And Jesus says, let's go somewhere else. Let's go to a different village so I can preach. That is why I have come. I didn't come to be some popular miracle worker only. I've come to preach the good news, which is himself, eternal life. But he's saying, let's go to somewhere else. And if you notice, even in Mark chapter 1, we've covered it. Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15, what does Jesus do? He proclaims the good news of God. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. Verses 21 and 22, Jesus taught with authority. He's preaching in the synagogue. And then this one, he's saying, Jesus said, I have come to preach. That's why I've come. Jesus came to get the word out. Preaching, teaching, explaining the Word of God is important. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't. I want to get the Word out of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, because Jesus saves. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's what Jesus is doing. He says, I've come to preach. I need to go to different towns. You'll see in Mark, he goes back to Capernaum. Don't worry, he goes back. It's kind of their home base in the Gospel of Mark. He goes back. But he says, we've got to leave now so I can preach. Throughout the week, all I can think of was my, one of my daughter's favorite songs she likes to sing, Waymaker. 
it says this. You are here, moving in our midst. I'll worship you, I worship you. You are here, working in this place. You are here, moving in our midst. You're here, working in this place. You are here, touching every heart, healing every heart, turning lives around, mending every heart. You mend the broken heart. You wipe away all tears. You're the answer to it all, Jesus. You're touching every life. You're meeting every need. But the chorus is this. And it fits Jesus the healer, Jesus the prayer, Jesus the preacher, I think, because look what it says, and I'll give you definitions. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Jesus is a way maker, one who makes a road. Jesus points you on the path that leads to life. That's a road. Waymaker. Miracle worker. A person who is able to achieve extraordinary results, especially in improving a situation. Jesus does that. He's a miracle worker. Promise keeper. God always keeps His promises. Jesus came to this earth lived a life, ministered to many people. We'll see that in the book of Mark. But we remembered it today. He ultimately went to the cross, shed His blood for us, and He keeps His promise. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper but Jesus in this passage he's a healer he helps people he makes people better he points them on the path to life he's a prayer remember he's not just praying to the father for himself he's probably praying for everyone and then he's the preacher he's speaking good news to the people around him repent and believe the good news that's what I share with you today as we close and the invitation is for you. Repentance. Believing. Confessing. Being baptized. Raised to a new life. And then the Holy Spirit comes in you and you can live a life that's worthy of the Gospel, the good news. Any decision you need to make, please make it today because we don't know what's going to happen. But I know one thing for sure. Jesus heals. He's praying for us. And He's saying, listen to the good news. Let's pray. God, thank You for the preacher, the Gospel of Mark, the follower of You that wrote down this account of the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Help us to look to Jesus, to point people to Jesus as we look around this world and look for opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. Help us to do that. Help us to go into people's homes or, or meet people on the way and say, 
God loves you. And help us to not overlook people. Help us to listen to people. Help us to encourage people. As a church family, help us to build each other up. Thank you for Jesus, the healer, the prayer, and the preacher this morning. And it's in his wonderful name we pray. Amen.